Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's Word and consider how it applies to our lives. As we open God's Word on Resurrection Sunday, let's look at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, at the actual story of His resurrection. The Bible says this, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn and the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed and quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. It's an amazing story. Uh, It's incredible that Jesus actually rose from the dead, and there are witnesses, there are people who can, can, can say they saw the empty tomb. And there were guards there who were blown away by this incredible earthquake and the stone being rolled away and the angels there. It's an incredible scene. When we think of this, um, this event, where does it fit in human history? Think of all the great things that humans have accomplished over the, uh, over the centuries, over the millennia. What, what are some of the very greatest things that we have ever accomplished? I mean, if you think back ancient times, it was probably like the, the discovery of fire, right? Or the wheel. More modern would be antibiotics and those things that we're hoping for right now as we consider the coronaviruses. We're, we're praying that there can be an, uh, a vaccine or a therapeutic that can cure. Humans have done amazing things. Maybe the most amazing things, thing that humans have done is to land a man on the moon. I mean, it's incredible to think that that happened. But when you consider this, that one man rose from the dead and has never died again, this is the greatest thing that any human has ever accomplished. And that's what we celebrate here on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus Christ rising from the dead. But you may have been through this day many times in this celebration on Easter many times, and you may have kind of forgotten, how does this really affect me? How do you connect the dots from Jesus Christ to me? How does that fit? How does that work? And I think it's nice, it's cool that Jesus rose from the dead, but does it matter to me and how does it matter to me? Well, the word I want you to think about and the title of this message today is fulfillment. And I want us to look at this word as we consider what Jesus said about himself as he was on earth to prepare us for this Resurrection Sunday. Way back in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made some incredible statements about what he was doing on earth and what he would ultimately 
accomplished and how it relates to us. And the thing that he says, and we'll look at it here in just a second, is that he is the fulfillment of everything that's been said in Scripture up to this point. So look with me, Matthew chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 17. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. And again, we always love you to open your actual copy of the Word. You may be sitting there in your living room or uh, wherever you are. If you can, I would encourage you to open your own copy of the Word of God. Um, look at, at your, your phone app, your iPad, whatever it is, or an actual good old Bible looks like this. Uh, open it to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. And think of this word, fulfillment. Jesus says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. It's a powerful statement. He's come to fulfill them. He first says that he has not come to abolish the law or the prophets. Now, what does he mean by that? It's important for us to understand when Jesus says the law and the prophets, what he's referring to is all of the scripture that existed up until that time. All the way from Genesis through Malachi, that was already written, it was already known about, and it was already something they would refer to as the scriptures or the law and the prophets. He says, first of all, I've not come to abolish that or to set that aside. You know, sometimes we joke about um, kind of Jesus' coming and we think that, well, you know, God first tried this whole law thing. He gave a law, uh, he gave the law and the people tried to keep it, but you know, it just didn't work. And people just couldn't do it. And so God said, you know what, since that didn't work, I think what we'll do is we'll send Jesus. That's, that's going to be plan B. No, 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 that's not it at all. You see, God gave the law. And he gave the prophets, he gave Genesis through Malachi to point to Jesus Christ because he is the only one who could fulfill the law. And that word fulfillment is so important for us to understand, uh, to fulfill something. Think of it this way, and this is a rough illustration, but I think it gets at what the meaning is. When you order something from a mail order place or a place that's going to deliver to you, like Amazon, for example, they have what are called fulfillment centers. And when you order something, it goes to the fulfillment center to actually deliver on what you ordered. And so that fulfillment center sends that object out that you ordered and it arrives at your house. You see, the law and the prophets, Genesis through Malachi, ordered up or made us or pointed toward or got us ready for Jesus Christ. And he is the one who fulfills that order. It's an amazing thing that you think about all the Old Testament. It points to Jesus Christ. So you can see Jesus throughout the Old Testament, um, starting way back in Genesis. Remember Genesis 1 and 2, there is what? In the, in the Garden of Eden, there is the tree of life. It's a picture of Jesus, that if you were able to eat from that tree, you would live forever. Genesis chapter 3 Original sin happens, and God says, uh, I'm going to cover your sin, and he makes for them clothing out of skins, the first sacrifice to cover sin. A few chapters later, Noah builds an ark, and this is a picture of God's provision uh, to protect and to carry his people over the flood that wiped out all of the sinful people in the world and just kept Noah's family, that ark, is a picture of Jesus Christ. And then Abraham is called. He says, 
God says to Abraham, I want you to be a people, I want you to, to, um, to raise up a people that will be a blessing to the world, to every nation, tongue, and tribe. I want you to raise up this people who will represent me and will one day produce this awesome king, Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter uh, 22, as uh, Abraham lays Isaac on the altar. And you remember what happens in the story. Abraham's called to sacrifice your only son, your firstborn son, the, the one that holds God's promise. And Abraham puts Isaac on the altar. And what happens? As he's about to, to thrust the knife into his own son, it's a gut-wrenching scene. God provides a ram, a substitute sacrifice that looks forward to Jesus who will one day be the substitute sacrifice for all of us. And so the children of Israel, they wind up in Egypt not long after this. And for 400 years, they're, they're in Egypt and they're in captivity. And God sends what? He sends Moses, a deliverer, a picture, an early picture of who Jesus Christ would be to rescue the people from the oppression of sin in Egypt. And God leads his people and he gives them the law and he gives them the land. And then he raises up this incredible King David who is a conqueror, who is a worshiper, who is a poet, who's a warrior, and he does everything that's needed in order to get the people in position to occupy the land and to be a blessing to the world. And then finally, uh, God, and additionally, God uh, builds a temple through Solomon, and this is the place where his people meet with God and where their sins are atoned for. And this is a picture of Jesus. He would later say, I am the temple. I can, I can be, be torn down and be raised up in three days. And then as the Bible continues in Psalms, there are many Psalms that look forward to Jesus. In fact, they, they look forward to this king who would be this incredible king who would die, but who would not stay dead. You see also that in Isaiah. And so the, the prophets look forward to this Jesus person, this, uh, this incredible king, this Messiah. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he himself predicts that he would, in fact, live, be crucified, be buried, and resurrect. So Jesus tells us that this is what is about to happen. And so in, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, he's saying, I am the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament, and it, I am, it's fulfilled in me. And that's a powerful, powerful statement. And so this story that we just read about the resurrection it is the completion of Jesus fulfilling everything in the Old Testament. And some people would say, well, you know, he died, and that was the sacrifice. Why did he have to rise? And I think it's really important that we see that if the resurrection didn't happen, really Jesus was not the Messiah. And there's several reasons for that. First of all, it was predicted that the Messiah would rise again. Jesus himself said that he would rise again. If he didn't rise, Jesus is a liar. The prophets are a liar. And all the disciples who witnessed this were also liars. And perhaps more importantly, Jesus himself, our God, would still be dead. And we would still be dead. And we would have no hope of ever rising again ourselves. This life would be just a life to eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. But because Jesus rose, it changed all of that. You see, Jesus completed his fulfillment as he rose from the grave. That's what makes Resurrection Sunday so special. We celebrate this fulfillment that Jesus did 
And he did it for us. You see, the Old Testament it not only predicts Jesus, but it also illustrates how pathetic we really are at keeping God's standards, right? Over and over again, you see the people of Israel who are God's people, who had contact with God. They were, they were the best of the best, and they couldn't do it. They kept falling backwards into idolatry and falling away from God and not obeying God. And you see this over and over again throughout the Old Testament. And don't we see it again today? Throughout our lives, we cannot keep the law. We cannot fulfill the law, but Jesus did. Jesus kept the law perfectly. He is the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament promised. I want you to rest in that for just a moment. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. When our credit card was declined after that nice big dinner we had, remember, remember when we used to could go out to dinner? I don't know if you remember that, but it's coming again. Um, did you ever have that happen? You give them the credit card, you're thinking, I wanted to buy my family dinner, and you're waiting, and oh, what if it's declined for some weird reason, right? Um, Jesus paid the bill that we could never pay. He paid the bill that we couldn't even get close to pay. He fulfilled all of the Old Testament, and he did it for you and for me. Wow. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that happened in the Old Testament, and he completed it on Resurrection Sunday. Let's continue in that passage in Matthew chapter 5 as we see what Jesus is saying about completing the law. Verse 18, he says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You think that's kind of an odd statement to say after that. So Jesus says, I fulfilled the law. And so you need to fulfill the law as well is really what he's saying. But what law are we talking about? Here's what we need to understand. Jesus is saying, I came to fulfill the law, and I'm going to make sure that it's fulfilled, and every little bit of it I'm going to fulfill, and you need to seek to fulfill as well. And here's what he means by that. Our role as his followers is to keep the law in the same way that Jesus See, Jesus redefined how the law was seen and how it was fulfilled. And that's really what this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is all about. It's all about Jesus saying, this is how you fulfill the law. This is how you follow me. We talked about a few weeks ago. Blessed are the poor in spirit, or thriving, or, or flourishing, are those who are spiritual beggars who come to God saying, I need you to fill me because I can't fill myself. I, I'm mourning over my own sin. I, 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 I want to be sacrificial like you, Jesus. I, I thirst after righteousness. I never arrive. Remember that? And uh, Jesus said, this is how you live this upside-down life, this life of following me. He said, you need to be salt, in, in, which is a preservative in a rotting world. You need to be light in darkness in the coming weeks We'll talk about how Jesus tells us that anger is cut from the same cloth as murder and how lust is the same as adultery. Um, he's telling us, listen, I want you to fulfill the law in the same way that I'm fulfilling the law. And here's what he means by that. He's saying you need to conform your life to mine. Follow me. 
You see, if I've received this incredible fulfillment of the law by Jesus Christ, I want my life to be like his. And we see it all the time. People say, you know what? I love Jesus, but I just can't do everything. I just can't. There's part of it I just need to set aside. I just don't get it. Here's what he's saying. There are people like that. And um, he's saying, but you're going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. They may say, you know what? I'll follow you, Jesus. There's part of this I just have to set aside. I just can't get to it. They're going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. But those that keep it, that long to shape their lives and conform their lives to me and teach others to do so, they're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Some may say, well, you know, Steve, I just want to get in. That's really it for me. I just let me into the kingdom of heaven and I'll be fine. I want you to be really careful with that. Um, because we don't really think like that in any other area of life. We don't really think that it's okay just to show up. We want to be great. And if I love Jesus Christ, I do want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. I do want to have the best role that I could have. Think about it. If you had concert tickets, if you were able to buy concert tickets today, uh, do you just want to get that obstructed view way up in the rafter seat, if you could get a better seat? You see, if you really love the, the act that you're going to see, you want the good seats. You want the best seats. You're not just wanting to get in. The question is, do you love the act you're going to see, or is your husband or wife dragging you, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to go see them. Ah, that's great. That's wonderful. Let's buy the cheapest seats we can have, so maybe I can be on my phone instead of actually watching the act, right? question is, do I really care about Jesus Christ? Do I love him? See, I would challenge you with this. If I've received the fulfillment of the law on my behalf, that Jesus paid my penalty, that he went to prison and went to jail and suffered and took my execution for me, I would think I would love him so much, I would want to shape my life to be like his. Think about that. If I want to be great in God's kingdom, Pretty much everyone who loves Jesus wants to be great in his kingdom. Be careful that you're not just saying, hey, I just want to get in. Look with me at verse 20 of chapter 5 of Matthew. It says this, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Crazy verse kind of to end that section on, because Jesus says to them, listen, uh, you're going to have to be better than the Pharisees if you're going to get into the kingdom of heaven, which really means that if you're going to be one of my followers and if you're going to spend eternity with me, you're going to have to be better than the Pharisees. And you may be thinking, well, Steve, I thought the Pharisees were just a bunch of hypocrites. That can't be really that hard, can it? Well, the Pharisees were the best of the best. They had some 200 and something commandments they kept, some 300 or more prohibitions, and all kinds of, of traditions that they put on top of that. The Pharisees were incredibly good people, at least outwardly. And Jesus says, and it would have been an incredible statement for them to hear that day, that the Pharisees, you had to be better than them to get in. Who could be better than them? And that's the point. We can't be. We can't be better than the Pharisees. You're never going to be good enough to get into the kingdom of heaven. 
So you see, these are the people who say, you know, I think Resurrection Sunday was is cool. I think it was a great event. You may even believe it happened. But did you need it? Did you personally need for Jesus to die and come out of the grave to pay your bill, to pay your fine, to make to fulfill everything the Old Testament demands of you? Did you need him to do that? You see, the Pharisees needed him to do that. The best of the best needed him to do that. But did you need him to do that? You see, that's where we kind of draw the line as to whether Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, is awesome or not. When I realized that I needed Jesus Christ to die for me, that I needed him uh, to be buried, and I needed him to rise from the grave for me, that's when it gets exciting. That's when I begin to get joyful that God did this for me. So what about you? Where are you? Are you at the place where you say, you know what? I've accepted Jesus. I've received the gift of salvation through repentance and through faith. I've received that. But I'm just struggling with the life of Jesus. I want to encourage you today. Would you say to Jesus, I want to accept your way of life. I want to conform my life to your life. You see, here's the thing. When people receive Jesus Christ and they say, I really struggle with living the way Jesus lived, they come to this place where they lose what's called assurance. And they start to wonder, am I really a part of things if I'm rejecting Jesus Christ? And that's a miserable place to be. It's kind of like feeling you're in and you're out. I just don't know. Don't live like that. It's no way to live. Live this joyful life and say, Jesus, I'm embracing all of you. See, some people say, I trust Jesus with eternity, but I don't trust him with today. Those two things don't work. And if you're at that place where you're rejecting some of Jesus' lifestyle, you may not have actually received this fulfillment of the Old Testament for yourself. And that's my biggest fear for all of us that we kind of have a form of godliness, but we deny the power of it. We kind of act it out, but we're not really there. You know, in this day of the coronavirus, we've all had to evaluate and consider our own mortality. And that's a good place to be. Have I received Jesus in my life? Do I embrace this life of following Jesus and living as he lived? As we've said many times in the last few weeks, the crisis reveals the foundation. Does the crisis we're in right now, has it revealed the foundation that is built on the life of Jesus Christ? Or is your faith and is your confidence in something else? I hope that on this Resurrection Sunday, you are resting in the joy of Jesus and the fulfillment that he brings. That you are resting in his love for you. And that you're not counting on your own goodness to get there, but you're trusting Jesus. And I would ask this, is there something about Jesus in his lifestyle that you're just struggling to accept? Take it before him today. Say, Jesus, I want to receive this into my life. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I want to know and live in the assurance that, you're, you're, that eternity with you in heaven is my home. We love you. We miss being with you. I want to pray with you that today would be the day that you receive full assurance and that maybe some of you need to come to Jesus for the very first time and say, Jesus, I need for your fulfillment the price that you paid on the cross 
to count for me. I want to know the joy that I'm depending on you and not me. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you for Jesus. I'm so glad, Lord, that he came and said, I'm the fulfillment. I'm what all of the Old Testament, all of history has been pointing towards. And I'm so glad we live in a day when we can point back to Jesus and that Jesus can be the reason that we have joy. Lord, may all of us say today, I want to live like Jesus. I want to receive all of the way that he fulfilled the law. And I want to live like him, Lord. May we never depend on our own goodness. Lord, I lift up those today who would say, you know, I'm not sure I've ever received Jesus. Lord, would you lead them today to say to you, I'm a sinner. I need the blood of Jesus to count for my sin. Oh, Jesus, would you save me? God, would you lead them to do that? Oh, we thank you for the privilege of being a part of your church. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.